Okay, uh, turn with me to Zechariah 10. For those of you that were here this morning, you're getting, you're getting the rerun. Praise God. Uh, I'm going to veer off of our series that we're on, on encountering the beauty of the Lord. And I'm just going to speak tonight um, on Pentecost. Did you know today's Pentecost? Today's Pentecost Sunday. And, uh, you know, at 4 o'clock this morning, I mean, it was like bombs were going off outside. How many, well, let's just do it this way. How many didn't hear the storm? Like three really solid sleepers. Bless God for y'all. But uh, the rest of us heard a loud heavenly fireworks display and saw it too. It was, uh, it was top three in my book. I've never, I've never hung in there through a tornado. But it was uh, top three storms like ever in terms of just loud, aggressive, explosive thunder. And, you know, the thunder is, uh, I mean, it was rattling our whole house, shaking the bed uh, I, you know, my, my wife said, I think one of our windows is open. I said, oh, no, no way. She goes, it's so loud. I go, I, I, yeah, no way. That win- our windows are closed for sure because it was so loud. And uh, we got up in the morning, and sure enough, there's my window cracked like this much. It was just, it was stinking loud. Shabam, you know, just over and over and over, like right above the house it feels like. You know, there was one that went off, and I actually felt the, like, the pressure like like off my off my ear like i just felt like wind you know i was like oh my god intense and of course that is only a shadow it's only a vapor of what's actually going on in the throne room and uh you know my my almost immediate thought was Man, it's Pentecost. God is prophetically waking us up on Pentecost with thunders and lightnings and a downpour of spring rain, latter rain. And, uh, and I just thought, well, this has got to be prophetic. <laughs> of course, you know, you can kind of get in that zone where, well, everything's prophetic. <sighs> you know, but... That seemed pretty. That seemed pretty good. Pentecost Sunday to be woken up with that style of a storm, and then immediately on my mind was Zechariah ten, you know. And so I, rather than preaching the messages that I had prepared for this morning and this evening, I just decided to go with what was on my heart and try to follow where I felt the Lord's leading. But look at Zechariah ten. Verse 1, and probably, I'm going to try to be brief here. I, I, I don't really want to preach. I just want to pray and ask Jesus to come, really. I'm just going to read some verses, make a few comments, hopefully, and try to just pray for me to be succinct. Amen. Zechariah 10, or just to say what the Lord wants me to say. I'm, I'm happy with whatever, but. Zechariah 10, verse 1, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. That's spring rain, actually. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. That's, that's the, the time in his calendar where he's already thought 
He's already planned to release rain. And this is a picture of revival. This is a picture of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's like in Isaiah when he talks about he will pour out his water on the dry ground, floods on the thirsty, his spirit on his offspring. So he's talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit here. In the time of the latter rain, ask him for latter rain. And uh, I believe we're in that. I believe we're in a season in the earth when the Lord wants to increase the, the, the spirit of revival, increase the Holy Spirit ministry through the church. So he says, ask for it. He goes, go into prayer and ask for it. Ask for the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. And, and he says, and this is how he'll answer. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain. And that's what we had this morning. We had the natural version of flashing clouds and showers, that deluge of rain. I mean, my whole, our whole room was lighting up just, just, from the, just from the lightning storm. And I mean, just, you know, the lightning, and then, bam, you know, I mean, just so intense. You know, you just, you got to, sometime you've got to just dial down and imagine what the lightnings and the thunderings coming off of God are like. The heavens declare his glory, but it's only a shadow compared to the reality. I mean, sometimes you just got to step back and go, if that's what's natural, you know, we're talking about, you know, high pressure and low pressure and you know, these noises in our atmosphere, if that's just the natural testimony that's only a shadow, what's the reality like? You just got to go there and allow your, allow your heart to dream. And, and then, you know, just sometimes just read through Job 36 and 37 where it talks about how he thunders marvelously with his majestic voice. He thunders marvelously. And the thunder of the sky is just a testimony. It's just a picture of what he sounds like. Just what his words are like. And so it says he'll give flashing clouds. He'll give showers of rain. And then it goes grass in the field. Grass in the field for everyone. He's talking about harvest. This is, this is a revival verse. This is one of, the, one of the favorite ones. He goes, he'll break in with power. He'll release power and a deluge of the spirit. And that will cause massive harvest to come. And when I, when I woke up this morning to that sound, and all of us did. And, you know, we ended up with a two-year-old in our bed, you know. <laughs> I, was just, I was just going, this is, it's Pentecost. I know you're speaking right now, Lord. I know you're speaking right now. And I got contacted by some friends in Kansas City, actually. They had the same thing this morning. All across the country. Same thing. Explosive thunderstorm waking them up in the early morning hours and I once again I just I just pricked in my heart just gripped with our great need for a baptism of the Holy Spirit I mean a real baptism of the Holy Spirit and uh you know we've 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 done a little disservice to the idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit because we think, oh, we got it when we, 
got filled that one time and began to speak in tongues after that. But I can I could lay it out to you biblically. I mean, I could walk you through the verses and prove it. I don't, I'm not, it's not my desire tonight. But there's clearly multiple infillings and degrees of saturation by the Holy Spirit. The power upon that saturates you through and through, that causes you to be transformed. I mean, you have the biblical examples. You have, you know, you have Saul, King Saul, and the power comes upon him in the Old Testament, and now changes him into another man, and he prophesies. And then you have like Peter and, and the Apostle Paul and, and these, these experiences that these biblical figures had. When the power comes upon them, they are transformed. The transformational power of God upon the human vessel that tr- completely changes who they are and how they relate to those around them. And what's more, when the power is on them, it causes that which is around them to give way. It causes the the atmosphere of the place that they go to to shift. It causes a change where they bring the power. This is the dream. This is the dream of what the church is to be. People clothed with power. Taking it into the public and causing everything to bend. Causing all the arguments, all the little statements, all the mouths speaking deception and lies to be stopped in an instant because real power has been made manifest. I love that old saying, a man with an argument doesn't stand a chance against a man with an experience from God. You know, share with me your little story, your little argument. Share with me your little, you know, five reasons why. And then I'll tell you about the power of God that has gripped me and transformed me. And you can have it now too. Boom. You know what I'm saying? That guy is never at the other guy's mercy. The guy with the argument, the hollow argument as to why it's not real. Is, I mean, he, he's never at an advantage. When you have the guy with the real experience. The real experience. And I just, just once again, just, just feeling my heart just, just aching, you know. For the real thing, I just said to Rich this morning, I said, you know, what does it matter if we live our whole life gathering people, doing all these gatherings if we don't have the authentic power of God in our midst and upon our community. We, we really, I mean, we really can't just celebrate. We could pack this place out eight times on Sunday and it would make no difference if we didn't have heaven, heavenly power upon us. The real stuff that makes us ambassadors and witnesses. The real stuff. There is a reason why Jesus told them to tarry till they were endued with power from on high to be witnesses because without power you cannot be a witness. And we have to have the endowment so that we're not just telling nice little stories and little anecdotes and trying to come up with 17 different ways to draw an unregenerate person to Christ. 
There is a biblical precedent. He called his people to pray and cry out for power until power came. And when power came, the lost came. It was an upheaval. It was a societal upheaval when power descended upon the disciples. And when power filled them, the sound reverberated around the city. And they didn't just have to come into the meeting. The disciples that were filled with fire, they went out everywhere preaching the gospel. Under the threat of death, they didn't care. They were possessed with God. I was just thinking this through and I just... You know, I've, see, I've seen really good stuff. And, you know, you just get in this place of tension because you're so grateful for everything God's ever done, you know, because you, you've seen it, you know. You've experienced it. I've seen the person manifest the demon, the demon speaking to me in a, you know, a rrr, rrr kind of voice and out in Jesus' name. And now the person's delivered. You know, I've seen it, experienced it. Seen the person who was sick, physically sick, no answer, pray for them. Boom, they are healed, instantly healed, seen it, experienced it, love it, thank you Lord for it. But there is such a huge gap between the experience of the power of God that we've had and what we see demonstrated and promised in the scripture. And that's where we, that's the tension that we've got to wrestle with. And uh, I, I'm just, you know, I just, that, that thunderstorm this morning, it just, it, of course it woke me up naturally but i just felt like even in my heart it just again jarred that great desire i have to see the fullness of god filling i mean any of us really I, it doesn't matter who steps across the line I, I don't care who gets it but if somebody would get it and just clear out a hospital just one it would be on I mean, what's your vision you know, my vision isn't to gather a bunch of creative minds and drink as much caffeine as we can and come up with a cool idea to draw a bunch of people. My, my vision is to get power on the people of God so that thing that he's promised, you shall be endued with power from on high. It's upon the church, and the church is now a witness to the glory and to the, risen, uh, to the reality of a risen Savior, Jesus. That that is manifest in the public. That's my vision, to see that, the real stuff, the real stuff. I want to see the biblical stuff. And so just that, uh, that inner groan for those things. And I just, I feel like I'm personally somewhere between, I'm either in Song of Solomon 3 right now or Song of Solomon 5. I can't quite tell. Song of Solomon 3, she was in disobedience, so she didn't feel the Lord. Song of Solomon 5, he was calling her deeper, and so she didn't feel the Lord. And I'm going, okay, I'm just double checking. It's not 3. I just want to make sure it's, not three, but I think it's five, but Lord, if it's three, show me. Because I'm in this groan in my soul going, there's so much more. There's so much more. I don't want to live just locked into what we have, imagining we've got everything. There, we don't. We don't. You know, I was, I'll just be honest, I'll just tell you a little story. My wife and I, we were out to dinner on Friday night, and, uh, we went over to a restaurant over here, my mall of Georgia, and had a great coupon. <laughs> Praise God for good coupons. And uh, we go in there, and it's perfect weather outside. And we go, we're going to sit on the patio, you know. It's just she and I. We'd been, you know, out with my kids earlier. My son had a football game, and it was just a little later, and so it was like 9, 9.30, whatever. 
and uh, and, and but it was just no, not very many people in, in the restaurant, and just no, just one little party on the patio. And so we, we just went over on the other side. It was just she and I, just quiet, perfect weather, just gonna enjoy one another. And so we get, you know, we order our food, and our food hasn't got to the table yet. We just, you know, we're enjoying the the rolls and, and each other. And, and this, the the patio door opens, and this guy comes over, and he plops down on the table directly behind us. And he just announces, a whole bunch of drunk people are getting ready to come out here. And I just looked at him. And he lights up a cigarette. And here they come. <laughs> and just, they'd been at the bar and they needed a smoke. And you know, they, they came and sat right down at the table. I mean, this far, I could have just done this and touched the girl behind me. And just drunk sinners, being sinners, just doing what sinners do. And, and when, I, when I got over my self-righteousness, just, dear God, just do something. And they're just, they're being perverse and just ugh, mocking, you know. I, I mean, I heard, you know, we're in the Bible. But I heard them just, just make some Christian statements negatively, statements about Christians negatively. And I just, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm wanting to say something. But I just got nothing. I just got nothing. I don't feel anything. Nothing's on my mind. And I, you know, I'd love to have the superhero testimony. And the fire came on me and I prophesied. Power hit them. They were all instantly sobered. And <laughs> But instead, Nothing. Somewhere I just I just went, okay, I'm just gonna have to ride this out till they're done with their smokes. And inside I'm just thinking, man, I hurry I wish they'd hurry up. <laughs> and they get up and leave and we finish our meal. But I just walked away, just and I said to my wife, I go, I hate when that happens. And I didn't mean I hate when I'm around sinners. What I meant is I hate when the glory that's resident inside this jar of clay is undetectable to a lost world on the outside that so desperately needs to know it. And I hate when I don't, it's just not here. I just don't know what to say. I mean, the preacher, I should have something, right? I got nothing. And I just, you know, I just, thinking it through, it just, man, my need is so great. I need a greater baptism in the Holy Spirit. I need a greater endowment, a greater infilling. I need something greater to grip me to where there's glory resident in this earthen vessel. And when you get around it, you feel the radiation. You know, I was thinking about Peter. Just a shadow. Just a shadow. I mean, there's such glory coming off him. And, and you know, the New Testament is really helpful to us because we see Peter and we see his brokenness. I mean, you know, he's got issues. We see his failures with Jesus. We see his failures. Paul calls him out real strong in Galatians. I'm real happy because that helped not not to try to point at Peter, but it makes me, you know, feel courage. I mean, if you look at those guys that the Lord was using with glory on their frame, their, their testimonies were, I mean, really rough. Paul's is rough. Peter's is rough. I mean, you just go down the list. Very few shining examples. 
But, uh, you know, this, this, this rough fisherman, just impetuous Peter, and he's got such glory on him. It's just, just the shadow. He doesn't have to touch. Glory that's coming out of him is bending the natural realm. And demons are leaving and sicknesses are drying up and paralytics are being healed. Supernatural creative things are happening just, just at the shadow, just at the rain falling off of his, off of his shadow. And if it's in here... I don't think he put it in there to tell future generations it's not available to you. That's the goofiest logic I've ever seen, ever. They really had it good. They had lots of power, but that's not available now. That's so dumb. No, he, I mean, let's just, if you want to have a theological conversation, we can. I can go there with you. But just, that's such a dumb idea that he would put it in there to say they needed it, but we don't. No, the church is the church. The church needs the glory of God upon her. This is, the, this is the destiny of the bride, to be beautified and filled with glory, to be abandoned, even unto laying her life down, even loving Jesus more than her own life. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days to be greater. I mean, signs, wonders, miracles. Till all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I mean, the church is going to operate in great glory. She's going to operate in great power. The idea that we don't need it now. Our world is in a much more severe and dire state of need than they ever experienced in the first century. We need the manifestation of the power of God far more today than they needed it then. And I just, man, my heart is just saying, God, when? I know he wants to. I know he longs to. He wants it more than we do. And he's just doing these things, I think, and, and peaking hunger. Just to, just to get us awake and get our desire on ten. He wants to release another Pentecost, and that's where I am. I'm longing for Pentecost. I'm longing for a fire to fill me and fill us. And I don't care, really. I just do not care who gets it. I was reading Smith Wigglesworth's testimony about getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. He'd been in full-time ministry 14 years, had seen healings. And he's, he's in a week of encounter with the Lord. He said he felt glory resting on him for a week. And he was in a church meeting in a, in a, in a house and there was a young woman who was baptized in the Holy Spirit there. And he, here he is, Smith Wigglesworth. He goes to her and says, lay your hands on me. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. She lays her hands on him. Power hits him. Glory hits him. He begins to speak in tongues and he's filled with glory. She gets up and has to leave. She's called away. He goes home. Listen to this. He goes home. Now his wife got saved before him and she'd been a minister for 20 years. And, and it, you know, she had heard, you know, that he was speaking in tongues at the meeting that night. And he walks in the door and, he, and she says, so, you're talking in tongues with the rest of them, are you? And he says, I am. And he says, the Lord, the glory of the Lord came on me and it's real. And she says, don't tell me it's real. I want to see it. She goes, this Sunday at the church house, I'll sit in the back 
and I'll watch you. I won't sit with you on the platform like I always do. I'll sit in the back and I'll watch you and I'll know if it's real. Dude, you should be believing for a wife like that. So she sits in the back. He said he's walking up and the Lord drops Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to preach the gospel. To heal the brokenhearted, to bind up the wounds. And he gets up there and he's a, he, he said, admittedly, I'm not a good preacher. But he gets up there and fire is coming out of him. He's thundering the word. And the, uh, the assistant, like the assistant deacon or whatever, he just, at the end of the message, he goes, I want whatever is on him. And as soon as he said he wanted it, power hits the man. He gets filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, falls out laughing with fire coursing through him, uncontrollable. All he said was, I want it. Shabam! His wife's in the back and she begins to cry out, that's not my smith! That's not my smith! And people spontaneously start saying, I want it! I want it! All across the room they start saying, I want it. And when they would say that, they would, they would fly. They would get hit with power and go flying backwards. Come on, somebody. I mean, this, this stuff is so available. There are so many things that are so beyond our level of experience. And our level of experience, it stands at odds with the testimony of Scripture and the testimonies throughout the ages. Our experience is so minimal compared to what's really available, beloved. We have got to lock in and recognize we don't have everything that's available and we need a baptism. We need a baptism. I mean, just read Acts. Acts 2, let's just read it. This is in here for us. So much for being brief. Just so many words. That's why I, I do that often. I go, I just want to be brief. I just, but there's so many words. But where is it? Where's the encounter? It's a tension in my soul as a minister. It's so much preaching. But where's the power? I know, I know he's, I know what he's doing. He's breaking us of us. He'll starve us out until we really get hungry. You're satisfied with a little dabble, do you? That's all you'll have. He has no problem waiting for the hungry and starving us out to get us there. And some of you say, how could you say we're being starved out? And we're not. We're seeing great grace of the Lord. We're seeing beautiful things. He winks at us regularly, but I know it's nothing compared to what he has to offer. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I just love that, one accord in one place. That's why I love these services on Sunday night, because we're coming together, hopefully with one accord in this one place. Hopefully we're coming together, hungry to seek God and experience His glory and His beauty. 
hopefully that we're coming with a heart that says, I just want you, Jesus, to manifest yourself. And I'm so excited by the way that you come because it does. I feel that together. One accord in one place. And suddenly, and that's it, isn't it? There's that sovereign thing. Suddenly, he throws the trip hammer. Suddenly, he releases power. Who knows? You can't make God do the suddenly. He has the suddenly that he wants to release when he, when he wants to release it. But I tell you, you can position yourself for the suddenly by getting in one accord in one place. And like they did, going after the Lord with aggression. They went 10 days straight in a prayer meeting without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to guess that wasn't that exciting of a prayer meeting. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were, they were slugging away, likely in an Old Testament Jewish style model. They were adding what Jesus had, had given them. They had some revelation now lighting upon them. Most of what Jesus taught, they didn't even get till after he was resurrected. So some stuff was beginning to land on them. But here they are in this prayer meeting, slugging away. 120. Slugging away without the baptism. And I always think, what would have happened if they would have stopped at day nine? What would have happened? I think about those that are laboring in the house of prayer. You go, I'm in year nine. Well, what about year 10? Who knows? Or maybe it's year 12. Well, who cares? What if it's year 20? If you just get it. If you get the breakthrough, who cares how long it takes to get there? That's what Wigglesworth said about his baptism. He said it didn't make any difference that he waited 14 years for the real baptism. He said he would have waited 20 happily because once he got it, it was so well worth the wait. Suddenly, that sovereign moving of God, and I just know that it works together, our hearts touching his heart, his heart touching our heart, that, that interplay, that interchange as we move in prayer, touching God, he's touching us, we're touching him, and then he says, now, now, suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Notice it's a sound. Notice it's not a wind. Notice it's a sound. They heard this r- rushing, mighty wind sound. It's like a freight train. This is a good prayer meeting, beloved. It's not just in the room. It's throughout the city. The whole reason everybody gathers is because in one little prayer meeting with 120 people, as they're crying out to God for 10 days straight, God answers with the sound like a freight train that reverberates through the entire city. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues or pieces or licks of fire. Fire appears, and it divides in little pieces, and it lands on them. Can you imagine? The ball of fire. And it starts breaking off. And and just land, 120 people, so it's, you know, maybe this size. Fire is hitting people's head all over the room I mean oh my god and it's hitting I mean what are they feeling 
But we know in a minute they're going to come bounding out of the room completely out of their senses. And what they manifest after this is a, 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 a visible uh, uh, drunkenness that the people look at them and they go, these guys are seriously drunk. He goes, not as you suppose. There's power on us. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, I want the baptism. I want the real stuff. I want the deepest one. John G. Lake said, there's no doubt there's degrees in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he talked about some have a baptism and they, they live far from the throne. And he said this, so he goes, I believe, he prophesied, there's a generation coming who will have a baptism of the Holy Spirit and it will be as though they are standing directly before the very throne of God. Oh. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Flip on down to verse 36. Peter's now preaching, declaring. It says that they all heard the sound, they were gathered together, all these people who were visiting Jerusalem, because it was Pentecost from all sorts of different nationalities. They heard them all speaking with their own languages. Some were perplexed, some were amazed, some mocked. Listen. When you have a real baptism of the Holy Spirit, some will be perplexed. They will not know what to do with you. Some will be amazed. Whoa, what is that? Some will mock you. Who cares if you've got the baptism? Just get it. Who cares when anyone thinks you've got God on you? Just want God on me. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. There it is. That's the difference. Peter, who is fainting in front of a slave girl two months prior, is now speaking words with power on them that are cutting people to the heart. He's launching javelins. In the spirit. And it's penetrating. Jewish hearts. And they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles. Men. And brethren. What shall we do? What must we do to be saved? And he calls them to salvation. Beloved. This is what the church is supposed to look like. A people. Filled with his presence. So that when we open our mouths, we are launching arrows in the spirit that penetrate cold, dark hearts. That when many hear the word, they are cut. They are either cut to the heart or they're cut to the quick. They're cut to the quick, they're angered and they want to kill you. They're cut to the heart, they're convicted and they want to bow. Give me some kind of activity. Right now, the best we can say is we're the punchline of many comedians' jokes. It shouldn't be that way. I just, I pray that, I pray this provokes you. My goal isn't to shame you. My goal is to provoke you. I want to be provoked. I want to read John G. Lake and Charles Finney. I want to read their testimony when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lake 
Lake was a businessman who was already doing healing ministry. And then what he would do, he'd heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what he would do is he would gather basically every night with other believers. And they would pray together for the baptism. This is what he did. And so uh, he, would, he would have services. He would work, have services, and then they would gather to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they were seeing, seeing healings and people getting saved. And this was his prayer. God, if you will baptize me with the Holy Ghost and give me the power of God, nothing shall be permitted to stand between me and 100-fold obedience. You know, Lake tells the testimony that when he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, he, he immediately, uh, the Lord asks him, what do you want? He says, I want the gift of healing. And the Lord says, you have it. But immediately, the next six months, it's not like things explode for him in the healing ministry. The next six months, it's all conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's all about purity. Holy Spirit. I tremble for this. Because I wonder what it looks like from heaven. We claim Holy Spirit and we live lives of compromise and lasciviousness. There's a day of reckoning that the church is not ready for. Holy Spirit. And I put my own heart out there and I say, God, try me. Purify me. I want purity. I want the beauty of holiness. I want to proclaim a thing and then live sloppy. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about grace. Oh, beautiful grace that carries you. Beautiful grace that instructs you to deny ungodliness. Fire that purifies. Here's Lake. In October of 1907, the Lord, in his goodness, baptized me with the Holy Ghost. After several months of deep heart searching and repentance unto God. At the home of a friend, in company with Brother Thomas, I was invited to accompany him to pray for a sister who was an invalid and had been in a wheelchair for a number of years. As we entered the home, I felt a great calm resting upon me. I did not feel to join in the conversation. Brother Tom proceeded to instruct the sister from the word concerning healing. And as I sat in a deep leather chair on the opposite side of the room, my soul was drawing out in a great silent heart cry to God. Oh, Jesus. This is what he was praying. I so long for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but I feel so unworthy. So far from thee, oh, Christ. If it be possible to baptize such as me, please baptize me. I am so hungry, so tired of trying, so weary of doing things myself. I am sick of sin, sick of self, sick of trying, sick of working. Presently, a great quiet came upon me, deepening rapidly into a peace such as I had never before known or experienced. A quiet of spirit, soul, and body. My being was soothed in a perfect calm, so deep and so quiet. My mind was perfectly still. I said, oh Jesus, what is this? The calm of God? Is this the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Presently, it seemed as if I had passed under a warm tropical rain that was falling not upon me, but through me. 
The realization of peace was such as I had never known. The rain continued to fall upon me. Oh, the rest of soul. Oh, the quiet of God. Oh, the peace of that hour. The peace I cannot describe that passeth all understanding. The condition of peace was so great, I feared to breathe. It was as the silence of heaven. The saving rain continued to fall upon me. It soothed my brain. It soothed my body. It soothed my spirit. Would it ever stop? I feared it might. I said, oh God, I did not know that there was such a place of rest as this. Then I became conscious of a change coming over me. That's what we need. A change to come over us. Instead of the rain, currents of power were running through me from my head to my feet, seemingly into the floor. These shocks of power came intermittently, possibly 10 seconds apart. They increased in voltage until after a few minutes, my frame shook and vibrated under these mighty shocks of power. Then as I shook and trembled, the shocks of power followed each other with more apparent rapidity and intensity. I could have fallen on the floor except the depth of the chair in which I sat. Again, a change. The shocks of power lessened in intensity and now had taken hold of my lower jaw. It moved up and down and sideways in a manner new to me. My tongue and throat began to move in a manner I could not control. Presently, I realized I was speaking in another tongue, a language I'd never learned. Oh, the sense of power, the mighty moving of the Spirit in me, the consciousness it was God who had come. And the story goes on. He says, Brother Tom didn't realize what was happening with him. He said, hey, come pray for the lady. And so he was, he was worried because of her condition. He, he was shaking so violently. He didn't want to like, he says he didn't want to dislocate her neck. So he said, said he just put his fingers on the top of her head like this. And the bro, other brother was holding her hand. And when he touched her, power shoots through her, hits him, and he goes back. That's a baptism. It's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. That man ends up with 100,000 verified healings just in the state of Washington. Not to mention that he plants all these churches in Africa. They had a plague that swept through where he was at in Africa. It was, it was just killing everybody. And it was, so, uh, it was so contagious that they didn't have a good way to deal with the bodies afterwards because anybody that would touch the bodies would get the plague themselves and die. And they actually asked Lake and his company to be the ones that would bury the bodies because they were the only ones that could stand up to the plague. And they said, how are you guys standing up to this plague? And he said, it's the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead alive on the inside of me. He's giving life to my mortal body. They said, what are you talking about? He said, if you will do it, he goes, do an, an exam on me. Put the plague on my hand and look at it under the microscope, and you'll see the life of God that's coming out of me is killing the death of the devil in that plague. And so they do it. They take him in, and they put his hand under the microscope, and they put the plague on him, and they watch the disease just die because the life of God that's coming off of him. That's a baptism. That's a real one. That's a real baptism. And I just looked at that and I just thought, you know, he talked about the, the degrees of a baptism. And I thought about the, 
the, the, the Apostle Paul in his admonition in Ephesians 5, and I just, he says, be being filled, be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. And I thought, you know, we've got to tend our baptism. You can't just get baptized once and pray in tongues a little bit here and there, and now you're, now you're spirit-filled. Man, you got to tend your baptism. Be being filled over and over and over and over until we have a baptism that's as if we're standing before the very throne of God. We're manifesting glory. There's something to be had. There's something for the people of God to have that we have not yet seen. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let's look at... uh, Let's just read Charles Finney's. And we'll just, we'll just land after that. Charles Finney was a lawyer. He'd gotten saved, but he, he, he didn't even know that there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting because with John G. Lake, you have this man who's hungrily pursuing God for months... Finney doesn't even know what he's about to get. One is going hard after God, the other one unaware. One of them fully sovereign, one of them appears a response to desire. Who cares? I don't care. If you're unaware or desirous, but you're not unaware because I'm telling you, so then you've got to get on the desirous side. Because the opposite would be complacent because you can't claim unaware. So Finney, he becomes the object of a sovereign onslaught of power. Just read these things, man. I just, I just want, just long for this stuff. This is real. Peter said, this promise is for you, for your children, and for as many as our Lord, our God shall call. It's for every last one of us, beloved. It's for all of us. This is real. Here's Finney. He's in his office one night. As I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. Without any expectation of it. Without ever having the thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me without any recollection that I had ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love. And I do not know, but I should say, I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. You ever ever get by yourself in your car, your closet, and just let it rip? If you've never done that, you should. Sometimes you just got to let it rip. 
groanings too deep for words. Sometimes, ah, it's the best thing I can possibly say. Because I don't have language to wrap around what's going on in there. If you don't have an ah, uh, sometimes, man, you just, you, you're just like bottled up. I love that. I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. These waves came over me and over me and over me, one after the other, until I recollect I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I cannot bear any more. Yet, I had no fear of death. How long I continue in this state with this baptism continuing to roll over me and go through me, I do not know. But I know it was late in the evening when a member of my choir, for I was the leader of the choir, came into the office to see me. He was a member of the church. He found me in this state of loud weeping and said to me, Mr. Finney, what ails you? I could make him no answer for some time. He then said, are you in pain? I gathered myself up as best I could and replied, no. No but so happy that I cannot live. Don't you want? He turned and left the office and in a few minutes returned with one of the elders of the church whose shop was nearly across the way from our office. This elder was a very serious man and in my presence had been very watchful and I'd scarcely ever seen him laugh. When he came in, I was very much in the state in which I was when the young men went out to call him. He asked me how I felt, and I began to tell him. Instead of saying anything, he fell into a most spasmodic laughter. Come on. That guy gets... You you can get the picture. Sort of the mean church elder. Gets spontaneously baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because what's on Finney is so filling the place. It seemed as if it was impossible for him to keep from laughing from the very bottom of his heart. Just at the time when I was giving an account of my feelings to this elder of the church and to the other member who was with him, this young man came into the office. This is the third guy. I was sitting with my back toward the door and barely observed that he came in. He listened with astonishment to what I was saying. And the first I knew, he partly fell on the floor and cried out in the greatest agony of mind, do pray for me. The third guy comes in, falls out, just listening to Finney. He says, pray for me. Finney's ministry, man. You've heard the testimonies. Walking into giant factories, And as the woman's mocking him, he just stares. And without saying a word, conviction falls on her until she's screaming out in agony of soul. And the thing rips through the entire factory. And all of them, he says that all of them were hopefully converted. If testimonies of Finney holding meetings in New York and ships coming to dock in the harbor. And power hitting the ship. Because the baptism that was on the man. Till everyone on the ship comes under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Wailing and weeping, asking God for mercy. If just one person would get it. Just somebody get it. And yet I know. 
We can only do what grace enables us to do. We can't do his part, and he won't do ours. But oh, to, to abandon ourselves in the grace of God, to position ourselves and put a big bullseye on our forehead, to really long for the Holy Spirit. Beautiful Holy Spirit. Perfect Holy Spirit. Such a shame that so many are afraid of the Holy Spirit. He is God. He wants to fill us more than we want to be filled. And all I know right now to do is just ask Him for it. Just ask Him for it. Let's just stand and just tell you what, you just get wherever is the best for you. If you want to come forward, come forward. If you want to stay in your seat, stay in your seat. Kneel, whatever. Stand. Let's just ask Him. Baptize us. Ephesians 3. We might know the height, the depth, height, the width, the depth, the length. To know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There is a fullness yet for us. It's Pentecost, beloved. It's Pentecost. That you may be filled with all the fullness. Come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. <sighs> Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we see something in the Scripture... And we hear the testimony of so many throughout history that had fire. God, Seymour had a baptism. Bosworth had a baptism, God. Finney had a baptism. Lake. Lord, we want a baptism of biblical proportions. Lord, really, it would be a people possessed with hunger and desire, possessed with the Holy Spirit, filled with fire, filled with fire. Wigglesworth had a baptism, Jesus. Hundredfold obedience, Lord, there should be nothing that would stand between us. 
beautiful Jesus, you baptize us again with fire. So, Lord, I'm asking, would you come like a mighty rushing wind? You're wounding us with hunger, Lord, I know. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. It's his nearness, beloved. That's the object of the heart that's longing for the baptism. It's not power. It's the nearness of God. <laughs> Lord, I'm asking, fill us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Baptize us with the Holy Spirit right now. Holy possession. Filled with the fullness. That's what we're after. But it calls this culture to bend under the weight of the glory of God. That your son Jesus. That Jesus would be glorified. 